Go ahead and get started this morning. If you have your Bibles, we will be in Psalms. It's at the very center of your Bible. Psalms chapter 118. Sometimes the Old Testament kind of disappears uh, in light of the New Testament, but there are so many key stories, there are so many key elements and truths in the Old Testament. And what's neat about the Old Testament, the book of Proverbs deals with your relationship with mankind. So if you're ever struggling with human relationships, take time and read the book of Proverbs. 31 chapters, you can read a chapter a day. If you're struggling with your relationship with the Lord, that's the book of Psalms. That's what Psalms is all about. It's about the psalmist's interaction with the Lord, how he prays, how he reacts, how he deals with certain things. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at a situation where the psalmist is dealing with distress. So if you've ever been under distress, this morning you're going to probably be able to relate to the psalmist. People deal with distress in a lot of ways. Some people, when they're under a lot of stress and distress, uh, they tend to isolate themselves. They, they withdraw from family. They withdraw from society. Some people, when they're under a lot of distress... Uh, they just up and go, they move, they run somewhere else, they, they keep going. People when they're under distress begin to eat a lot. Some people under distress begin to drink. Some people under distress begin to become real angry. Uh, all of those things, the way you deal with stress is not a healthy way and it's not going to be a winning way. And so today we're going to see how the psalmist will tell us how we should declare and how we should deal with distress. So Psalms 118 starts off like this. It says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Now that may seem odd to us, right? So if I'm under a lot of stress this morning, the first thing I'm going to do is tell God, thank you. God, thank you for the stress I'm under. But you have to understand, God, I thank you for the stress that I'm under. Because the stress that I'm going through, you will help me get through it. And that's what you have to... Now, if you're not a believer, this won't make any sense. But if you're a believer, the moment distress comes on your life and all the pressures and issues of life seem to overwhelm you, if we'll learn to kind of park it for a moment, kind of get before the Lord and be still and allow Him to speak to our hearts, allow Him to calm our spirit down, He'll begin to help you to understand mentally, emotionally, and physically how to deal with the stress in your life. In fact, just yesterday alone, I was talking with someone who was under a lot of stress. And I just said, listen, you just need to get before the Lord and just be still. If you'll just be still for a few moments and, and just allow your brain to get in a neutral and allow the Lord to begin to speak to your heart, He will teach you and He will show you how to deal with the situation in your life. A lot of times we want somebody else to tell us how to deal with situations in life, and that's good to have wisdom. But in all reality, when we're under a lot of distress, if we get before the Lord, He will tell us. So, here's how this thing starts. So, who should call on the Lord? When we're, a lot of, when we're under distress, who should call on the Lord? Well, the psalmist is going to break it down in three different sections. The first one you're going to see... In verse 2 is a general purpose. He says, let all Israel repeat his faithful love endures forever. Notice he says all of Israel. He's saying that a nation, that there comes a time when we're under stress, 
that it's not an individual thing, it's, it's a general thing. There is a time when the nation needs to come together and pray for the nation. There's a time when the church needs to come together and pray as a church. We pray together individually, we pray corporately as well. And the psalmist says there's going to be a time, and this was the time when Israel was under a lot of war and under a lot of bondage and a lot of captivity. There's a time when we as a people need to pray together. And if you're not here on Wednesday nights, you need to join us. And I know some of you may work and you can't, but we spend Wednesday nights praying together and it is sensational. And that's what the psalmist says. We as a people need, then he goes on to say, it's also specific. He calls out the priest in verse three. He says, and let Aaron's descendants, the priest repeat his faithful love endures forever. So now we go from a generalization of a nation now to a specific group, a group of priests. There are times when the leaders of your church pray together. In fact, your church board prays often together. Uh, we just had a meeting this past Thursday night where we get together and we fellowship and we pray and we seek the Lord's wisdom and will for the life of River of Life. It's a group of people. There are times when grandparents need to pray together. When parents need to pray together, it's, we're not going from a general setting. Now we're going down to a specific setting when we need to be together personally. And then he goes on to say, it's also personal. He says, let all who fear the Lord repeat. So now we've gone from general to specific to personal. There are times when you need to get before the Lord and say, God, we are undergoing a problem. God, I am undergoing a problem and I need your help. See, notice that a lot of times when, when we get under stress, we withdraw, we isolate. And what you need to do when you get under stress, the first thing you need to do is let your church family pray for you. Hey, I'm undergoing a lot of difficulties in my life right now. I need you to pray for me as a church family. And then you need to get before some personal people. Maybe you have a mentor. Uh, maybe you've got a spouse, a close friend. Hey, I need you to pray for me. Can we really get personal and let's pray together? And then last, you yourself need to get before the Lord and pray to Him personally. Find that place that you know when you get before God, it makes all the difference. This is what the psalmist is saying. I'm, I'm undergoing a lot of stress, so we allow the nation to pray. Then we get before the specific, the priest to pray. And then now I'm going to pray. So we would say then, why? Why should we call upon Him? It's funny, we, we call upon the Lord when we're in a lot of stress, but it's interesting how we call upon Him. And notice the psalmist says, In my distress, I prayed to the Lord, He answered me and set me free. Now that's important, that the psalmist says, I prayed before the Lord. In my distress, I prayed. And why? Because he set me free. But the Bible says that the Lord answered him. <laughs> We're all guilty. We just say, God, right now, I just need you as a sounding board. And Lord, I just want to cry. I just want to yell. I just want to scream. And I, and I just want to vent. And you do all of that. And then you walk away. You, you never allow the Lord the opportunity to give his response back to you. 
And the, and the psalmist says, when I get under distress, the first thing I do is I'm going to get before the Lord and I'm going to pray. But in order when I pray, I'm going to have to be still and I'm going to have to allow the Lord the opportunity to speak back into my life. Now, I don't know about you, but you don't have to raise your hand because most of us are guilty of this. Our prayer time spends mostly about me, myself, and I, and all that I need and all that's going on in my life. And very, very seldom do we ever pause and say, okay, Lord, I have voiced my opinion. Now I'm going to be still and I'm going to allow you to speak to my heart and you're going to tell me what to do here. But most of the time we don't. Most of the time what we do is we just pray, we unload on the Lord and then we walk away. Do you realize how many moments and key personal moments you have missed in your life if you'll just get before the Lord and say, God, I am overwhelmed. God, I am in, I'm just distraught. And Lord, I'm just going to shut my big mouth and I'm just going to listen to you. I'm, I'm going to clear my brain from uh, just all the worry and chaos in my life. And Lord, I just want you to speak to me. Lord, Lord I just want you to, to just hear me hear my heart, Lord, and then just speak to my heart so it'll calm down. Because, see, God wants to deliver you. You also need to know that He's for you. The psalmist says in verse 6 that the Lord is for me, so I have no fear. Who can mere people do to me? So what can mere people do to me? Notice that he understands that, hey, God's for me. In the midst of his chaos, in the midst of his stress, God is there for him. Notice that he understands that he wasn't relieved of the chaos. He wasn't relieved of the strife and the turmoil. But what he did understand was that God was there for him through the chaos and the turmoil. And that's important because in our society today, we get before the Lord and we say, God, I want you to deliver me from these issues in my life. And when God doesn't, then we get upset with the Lord and we can't figure out why. I know it's hard to grasp, but every now and then, God just wants you to go through a tough time. Because the tough time in your life is what builds you spiritually. The tough time in your life what grows your faith. The tough time in your life what builds your endurance and your perseverance in the Lord. If you didn't have those tough times, it wouldn't happen. Do you know how a weightlifter gets strong? He just doesn't put 10 pounds on the bar and does it 50 times and walks away. He will put on more weight than what he can do to make his muscles work harder to resist the weight so they grow. God does the same in our life. He allows us to go through situations in our life to grow us spiritually. So when we pray to Him, we need to know that He, he, he wants to help you. He's there for you. And as I just mentioned, He definitely wants to help you. Yes, the Lord is for me. He will help me. I will look and triumph at those who hate me. Do you realize that no matter what situation you and I are ever faced in life, that if we have a personal relationship with the Lord, He's going to help you. He's going he's to be there for you, walk with you. He's going to help build your faith up. He's going to help encourage you. That's life. And I know this is a lot. Some of you already know this, but sometimes you just need to be reminded when you are faced with these situations in life that the Lord loves you. He wants to help you. He wants to be there for you, but you've got to learn to take your hands off the problem and allow him to do that. Well, the psalmist then goes on, I'm going to tell you the reason why we should trust the Lord. 
we, we, we're supposed to be thankful to the Lord. We, we know why we pray. So then why should we trust Him? Well, it's real simple. He's better than man. Just that simple. Verse 8 says, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. Now, now that's an interesting statement because we tend a lot to trust in people and then they break our heart and we can't figure out why. And unfortunately, we all have done that. There's not a person in this room that's never not let anybody down. We have let people down in our life because we're human. The problem is, is that we get so overwhelmed in trusting humans that we forget to trust the Lord. And I love what it says in, in Proverbs 4. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. We typically let our guard down with people. And when they crush us and break us, the devil uses that opportunity to clam us up, to put a wall up so that we'll no longer trust people and be around people. We do have to be careful around people. It's amazing what we guard today. So um, do you lock your house when you leave? You guard your house because you, you, you don't want anybody breaking in and stealing anything. Do you lock your car? Some of you do, some of you don't, and if you don't lock your car, it may be a wise idea in the time and day we live in to start locking your vehicle. We, we have protection on our computers so that nobody can, can hack our computers, and though if you're not careful, those smart people can still hack into your computer. You know, we do a lot of things to protect our life. We protect our home, we protect our vehicles, we, we protect our, our personal devices, but how careful are you to protect your heart? How careful are you not to allow those people that are going to come in and, and destroy you? How careful are you not to allow those things to come into your life and destroy you? We spend so much time guarding the external things in life that we forget to guard the internal and the eternal things of our life. And so we need to know this morning is that we need to trust in the Lord for he is better than man. Not only that, he is better than the, the power and riches. Notice what it says in verse 9. He says, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. What he's saying is, is that it's better for me to trust in the Lord than to trust in the people who have power and money. But in, in our world, it's hard not to do that, isn't it? We see all the time where we're going to trust in the government to bail us out. We're going to trust in other people to take care of us. And, and it's a good thing to allow people to be there to support us and encourage us and help us. But God designed you and God designed me to stand on our own two feet. And he designed us to take care of ourselves. And when we get to the place where we can't, we need to learn to trust him so that he can give you the way out so that he can give you um, the ways of, of moving forward. Unfortunately, in the line of work that I'm in, I see this all too often. We'll have people come into the church office, they say, hey, listen, I am struggling bad financially. I'm struggling in this area of my life. And so we sit down with them and say, here's what you need to do. You ought to do this, and you know all this. This will help out. And then they walk out of the office and never do that. And then they come back in a month later and have the same problem all over again. Because rather than trusting in the Lord, in the leadership of the Holy Spirit, they're trusting in other things. And in fact, that's what Jesus tells us in, in Luke. 
chapter 12, he's, he told the rich young ruler, he said, you ought to sell your possessions and what? Give them to those in need. This will store up the treasure for you in heaven and the, and the purses of heaven will never get old or develop holes. Your, ple- you know, your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it and no moth can destroy it. Our trust and treasure should be in heaven and God will provide for us financially and materially to help us in this thing called life. But when all of our focus is on life is material possessions and items and things, it will give out later. So we know that God's better than man. We, we know that he's better than riches. Do you also know that the odds are in your favor if you trust in the Lord? Some of you may remember the movie. May the odds be in your favor. Y'all remember that movie? Can you tell me, tell me the movie? Hunger Games. The Hunger Games, that was the key, that was like the phrase that everybody will always remember if you see the movie. May the odds be in your favor. Notice what he says in verse 10. Though hostile nations surround me, I will destroy them. How? With the authority of the Lord. Yes, they surround me and attack me, but I will destroy all with the authority of the Lord. See, God gives you and I the power today to make it through any and every obstacle in our life. And some obstacles you're going to destroy and you're going to wipe out and some obstacles are just going to be there to keep your faith and focus on Him. But what we need to know this morning is that God has already given you and God has already given me the authority to overcome any and every obstacle in our life. That's just wonderful to me. So you're telling me, Lord, that when I deal with this situation in life, that you're going to give me the authority to overcome it? And the Lord says, yes. And it's through his word. It's through his wisdom. It's through his power. I have to be honest with you. A lot of you think I am smarter than what I really am. (laughs) I, I am not. I am not that smart. I'm really not. It's only through the Lord. So let me just have fun. Do you realize I never messed with a computer till I was out of college? I mean, I never really messed with a computer till I got out of college. I didn't go to school for it. I don't have any proper education for it. But I'm amazed how many people come to me with computer questions, and I'm thankful. And I know a lot. I know enough to get me into trouble, to be honest with you. But it's only through the grace of God and through His wisdom that He gives to me that I'm able to do it. I'll never forget six years ago, I was handled a, a big responsibility. It was like, okay, here's the sound system. It's digital. Figure it out. Wait a minute. Um, I've never messed with the digital board. Well, I'm sorry. It's all yours now. You'll figure it out. Trial by fire. Many nights of studying and researching and praying, and the Lord blessed me to figure it out. See, this is what it's about. God is going to give you and me the authority to handle this. All you have to do is allow him to do that. So he's going to be in your favor. And not only that, he will be with you in the painful moments. Church, we are never alone in our heartache of life unless we run from the Lord. Notice what the psalmist says. They swarm around me like bees. They blaze against me like a cracking fire. But I destroy them with the authority of the Lord. There it is again. They swarm me. You ever been swarmed by bees? It's not fun. It's painful. Especially if you've ever like stepped into a nest 
and you get hit eight or nine times before you realize what's happened. You ever burned yourself with a fire? So notice what the psalmist says. He didn't say, Lord, I thank you that you surround me with rainbows and unicorns and life is great. No, he didn't say that, did he? The psalmist says this, Lord, my enemies swarm me like bees. In other words, they were hitting me. They were, Lord, I'm being hit like the fire. But God, you've given me the power to be able to resist and be able to live through this. And so I want to encourage you today, if you're in a real stressful time in your life and it seems like you're overwhelmed, the Lord is going to be with you in this painful moment. He will walk with you and work with you in this time as long as you don't let go of His hand and walk away. God wants to be there in your moment. Not only that, He will walk with you in the most darkest time of your life. The psalmist says, My enemies did their best to kill me, but the Lord rescued me. David, I think, said it best. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. King David said, God, when I'm in the darkest moment of my life, Lord, I know you're going to walk with me through that. That's a good thing. Now, now once again, I just want to remind us that he doesn't, say that you'll never have dark moments in your life because we're all going to have dark moments in life because it's life. But when we get to that darkest moment of our life, if we'll learn to trust in Him, He's going to walk us through that darkest moment. A lot of times when we get in that very dark, dark place, we, um, we tend to let go because we feel like God has left us and He's bailed out on us. I'll, I'll never forget when I left here, I pastored my first my very first per- church, and I was there for like two years. And I can write a book on tell you how not to pastor. And I'll never forget when I first came back to Florida, I just felt like the Lord had abandoned me. I mean, I, I was in the darkest time of my life. I'm a father of three children. You know, I'm, I'm supposed to be the supporter of my wife and my kids. I don't have a job. Um, I mean, I was I, I, the job that I hoped for all my life. I failed miserably at and, and I was in one of the darkest moments in my life and to be honest with you I wish I could say I was real spiritual and I just prayed and just sought the Lord and you know what really I did not I did just the opposite okay I said Lord obviously you weren't with me in this situation somewhere I've missed you and and you've walked away from me and so now I'm just going to walk on and so for the first six months I walked on I faithfully attended church, but had nothing to do with ministry because I felt like God was done with me. And it wasn't through just some circumstances that the Lord finally got my attention and got me back in. But in that dark moment of my life, if I'd have been smart and just been still and trusted the Lord and allow Him to work in my life, it would have been a lot shorter. See, a lot of us, and excuse the expression, but you'll hear it, what happens, a lot of us wake up in hell... And we stay there rather than going ahead and walking on out. And what we've got to do is when we get there, because we're all going to get there in that dark moment, if we'll say, Lord, I don't know where to go. God, I am blind in this situation. Lord, it's completely dark around me. So God, I'm going to hold your hand. And Lord, you're going to walk me out. Rather than me just wandering around 
bumping into things. And that's what the psalmist says, Lord, in my very darkest moment of life, rather than me keep bumping my head and keep failing miserably and being lonely, God, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to let you hold my hand and you're going to walk me out. And during this time, he will also be your strength. He'll be your song. He'll be your salvation. The, the psalmist goes on to say in verse 14, The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. Do, do you realize that the songs that are written today usually deals with somebody's personal life? They're, they're, they're dealt with people's life being broke up, you know, life being corrupted. They, they write songs because God has moved in their life and God has shown them in their life. All the songs that are written on planet Earth today come from a personal experience, pretty much. And so here's the psalmist. He is writing to you and me from a personal experience. And what he says is, Lord, you're my strength. He said, God, you're my song. God, you're the song that I sing. Now, to be honest with you, I don't sing very well. So that's why you don't see me ever up there singing. But I love to sing. And what I want to encourage you this morning, that when you get to these real dark moments in your life, if you learn to sit still, learn to listen to the Lord and allow Him to encourage you and direct you, and if you'll start singing to Him, the pressures and the stress and the distress will leave you. Notice what the psalmist says in his writing, God, you're my strength and you're my song. And Lord, because you're my strength and my song, guess what you've done? You've given me what? Victory. So the next time you're under a lot of distress, don't sing about all your exes living in Texas. <laughs> sing about how God is your refuge and strength. He's your very hope in a time of trouble. Sing how He is the light and the life of your salvation. Sing how He is your deliverer. Sing how He is your victor. Know that He is the name above all names. Church, there are so many powerful songs out today that'll just influence your life and you can praise the Lord. So when you're under that pressure, just allow Him to be your strength and sing. So when we do that, then the psalmist says, well, here are the benefits I get for trusting the Lord. So let's look at the benefits for trusting the Lord. The first thing is, is that He gives you a song to sing and a reason to rejoice. Now, I understand there are times in life not to rejoice. The death of a loved one, things that go on. But the psalmist continues on to say that the songs of joy and victory are sung in the camp of the godly. The strong right arm of the Lord has done glorious things. I cannot encourage you enough that if you will learn to sing to the Lord in church, and if you don't sing well, just sing quietly. It's okay. Just sing. You'll see those pressures relieved. When you're at home, when you're riding down the road, now be careful riding down the road because when you come to that red light, there's always the car next to you watching you. We were, we were in Tallahassee yesterday and we laughed because we pulled up by this car and this old little girl, she was just singing to the top of her lungs in her car. I don't know what she was singing, but she, you know, she was just, you know, and, and we all just were having, the, we were just all having a fun time with that. So if you want to save yourself a little bit of um, embarrassment, sing going down the road, but maybe when you come to the traffic light, you may want to stop, you know, it, it may, may help you out. I don't know. But what I want to encourage you is to sing, to sing to him. 
and you say, Brother Chuck, I don't know what to sing. See me after this morning. Trust me, there are songs, there are country songs, there are harmony songs, there are rock songs, there are rap songs. There are every kind of form of music you can listen to. Somebody is singing to the Lord in that form of music. So you can enjoy it, you can be free from it, and you can release from it. The psalmist says he gives us a song to sing and a reason to rejoice. He also, which is probably key and important for us, is that he gives you victory over life's obstacles. The strong right arm of the Lord is raised in triumph. The strong right arm of the Lord has done glorious things. When a boxer, when a wrestling match is over, what's the first thing they do to the winner? They raise that right hand to give him the victory. And that's what he's telling us, that the, the strong arm of the Lord has been raised because he is victory over the enemies. And if you and I will learn to raise our hand and surrender to him, he'll be able to raise our hand in victory to the enemy. So he says that he has given us victory over the obstacles in life. Not only that, you'll be able to live and have a testimony or a story to share. You ever wonder where we preachers get all our stories from? We get them from the the battles we face. You probably wonder, where does Brother Henry get all those stories from? It's just life. And you can have the same stories. The psalmist says, I will not die. Instead, I will live and tell what the Lord has done. People need to hear what God is doing in your life. And you say, they really don't want to hear. Yes, they do. They want to hear. They just don't want to believe they want to hear. It's it's interesting. And I got to tell on you a little bit. Okay, Catherine. So Catherine has started a Bible study group at her, her workplace. Her workplace. And you'd be amazed how many women are coming to her Bible study group. But here's what I love about it. They have an atheist there. And every time my wife leaves from the Bible study group, the atheist wants to know what she learned today. Why would she want to know what she's learning? Because she's interested. And because Catherine started the study and my wife is attending, now we have an atheist that is clued in on what's going on. See, people want to hear. But the devil tells you what? They don't. They don't want to hear you. Yes, they do. Now, you, you, I mean, obviously, you got to be careful. Praise God. Bless Jesus. Thank you for the blood. I mean, you know, they, they get lost in all that churchy jargon. Had a wife with my kid. You know, had a problem with my kid. Had a problem at work. I had a pro- How'd you get through that problem? They share with that. Well, man, that can help me. See, God wants to give you and I a story today to tell other people. So that, and, and we, it's funny how we think everybody is just doing so good. And the reason why we think everybody's doing so good, because we always lie. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing great. Oh, obviously my arthritis is kicked up. You know, I'm about to lose my left toe from gangrene, but I'm doing good. No, you're not. You're doing bad. Why don't you be honest every now and then and say, I'm not doing good. Could you pray for me? I'm having issues. Could you help me? Share the story. That's what the psalmist says. He's going to give me a story and I'm going to live and tell about it. Not only that, which is what we probably don't want to hear, is that he's also going to correct you and keep you from death. Notice what he says. The Lord has punished me severely. Do you know why the Lord punished the psalmist? Because it's his child. And in whom the Lord loves, he delights in, but also whom the Lord loves, he will discipline. 
And when we step out of line with the Lord as a child of His, He will discipline us. He's going to put us back in line. And I love what the psalmist says. Listen, I didn't get, I didn't get through this scar-free and punishment-free. The Lord punished me for my wrong. And so sometimes we have to understand that the pain and difficulty we're going through can be a punishment from the Lord. Sometimes it's just our own wrongdoing. But sometimes God is trying to bring you back into right standing with Him. So He's inflicting the punishment on you so you'll get it. I mean, after all, we pretty much would do what we could do if there wasn't pain and punishment involved, right? I mean, other than, let's be honest, why doesn't the average guy go rob the bank? Because he doesn't want to spend the rest of his life in prison. It's not that he has good morals and ethics. The average man won't rob the bank because he realizes the penalty and the pain from that. And what God tries to do with us, he's trying to say, hey, those things you're posting on social media, those things you're doing at work, those things you're doing after work, the reason why the pain is being inflicted is because I'm trying to steer you back on the right path. I'm trying to keep you from making a fatal mistake and dying spiritually and physically. And so that's why he allows those things to happen. So we know that that God wants to do some things in our life. So then how do we respond? What's our response to the situation? Well, it's simple. Our response should have a desire for intimacy and praise. When, when God has all these things happen in our life, notice what the psalmist says. He says, Lord, open for me the gates where the righteous enter, and I will go in and thank the Lord. These gates lead to the presence of the Lord and the godly enter there. Notice he says, Lord, I need you to open up to me. One of the greatest lies that have ever been told that God will always be there for you. And that's not true. We can go to the very first book of the Bible where it says, my spirit shall not always strive with man. There comes a time when God says, I've tried to help you. Proverbs chapter one says the same thing. There comes a time when I've said all I want to say to you, you won't listen to me. So I'm now going to close down. And notice what the psalmist says. He's at least smart enough and wise enough to say, Lord, here's what I need you to do. God, I want you to open up your heart back to me. God, I, I want to be able to feel that when I go before you to pray, that I know you're with me. And when I pray, it's not empty words. God, I want to know that when I come to church and I worship, my words are not just hitting the ceiling of the dome, but my words are going up to the very heaven's gates because you have opened them up to me. God, I want you to open up your heart and your life to me so that I can enter in there. So often we say, God, you come to me. God, you help me. God, you take care of me. But notice what the psalmist says, Lord, I want you to open up your life to me. God, I'm pressing in. Lord, I want you to allow me to push in to your life. You've been around those people. You start talking to them and you can tell they're a mile away. You know, they don't want to listen to a word. You say, you ever been around those people? I mean, you know who they are. I mean, you can finish talking. You could talk about, once again, unicorns and rainbows and butterflies. And you'll say, what did I say? And they'll say, I don't know. Well, why not? Because I wasn't listening. Sometimes we pray and God's not listening. And the reason why he's not listening is because he's closed his heart off to you because you closed your heart off a long time to him. And what the Lord, the psalmist notices here, he says, Lord, I want you to open for me the gates. God, I want you to open your heart back up to me. 
Lord, I want your presence to be in my heart and life so I can feel you again. And it's neat because we're, we're in the book of Psalms, but you read Psalms 51 and, and here's David. David realized he had created a major sin in his life. He, he went from committing adultery to continuing conspiracy to committing murder. And for like nine months to over a year, David had nothing to do with the Lord and the Lord had nothing to do with David. And then when David finally realized his sin, one of the very first things other than saying, God, please forgive me, he says, Lord, please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Why? Because he realized that the presence of the Lord leaves my life. I have no hope. And so our response to the Lord should always be, Lord, please open up your heart and life back to me again. God, I want to feel you again. Lord, I want to know that you're, you're speaking into my life. Lord, I want to know that I can sense you and, and know you and touch you. And when God does all that, no doubt what you should do is thank him. Thank him for what he's done. Notice that the psalmist says, I thank you for answering my prayer and giving me victory. The psalmist says, Lord, though I've gone through all of this mess and I've gone through all of these things, Lord, I want to say thank you. We could spend the rest of our life telling God what we're thankful for and we still would run out of time. But very seldom do we thank the Lord for all the wonderful things he's done. Well, it's interesting. So the psalmist pours all this hard and out to the Lord. And then we see basically he wants you to know how the world's going to respond to you. It's. It, we, we give all to the Lord. We, we pour our heart out like, well, how is the Lord going to respond? And this is a familiar, familiar passage of Scripture well in the New Testament. The stone that the builders rejected. Now, who is that stone? It's Jesus. The stone the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. So... There are times when, when God's just going to pour out in your heart and life and everybody else is going to think you've gone crazy. That's okay. You don't have to worry about them. You worry about what your Heavenly Father's wanting you to do. You worry about what the Lord is leading you to do. Everybody else may think you're crazy and that's okay. Let them think you're crazy. Because when you step out in faith and trust the Lord and you do what He says... And sometimes doing what the Lord says means swallowing your pride and admitting you need help. Sometimes it means swallowing your pride and going and asking for forgiveness. Sometimes it means to going to somebody way back when and saying, listen, I'm so sorry I treated you that way. I did those things. Please forgive me. But when we trust in the cornerstone and when we trust in the stone, he'll become our cornerstone. In other words, he'll become the foundation. And if you want to know about foundations after this morning's over, talk to Travis Perez up here, Scooter. Scooter's been sending me pictures of these huge building. He is building in Tallahassee, and the foundation's taller than me. Now, I know I'm not that tall, but that's, that's a thick and wide foundation they're building because the taller the building, the deeper the foundation. And your foundation should be built on the greatest foundation ever, Jesus Christ. So when the hard times come, and they will come, you'll be able to stand firm and solid like the house that is built upon a rock. What's God's plan? It's real simple. This is the Lord's doing, and it's wonderful to see. Now, isn't that interesting how he says that? God, I'm going through one of the most darkest, tragic times in my life. But Lord, as I go through this, it is so wonderful to see. Why? Because this is the day the Lord has made. 
and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Notice that. I, you gotta want, it's, it's hard because we're kind of breaking down verse by verse, but here's a man that is going through one of the most tragic, one of the most hardest, darkest times of his life, and he said, God, this is so wonderful because I'm, I'm watching you lead me through this time. I'm watching you answer my prayers through this dark time of my life. God, I'm watching you delivering me and giving me victory over these issues in my life. And Lord, it's wonderful to see. And Lord, because I know you're doing that, I'm going to rejoice and be glad. Sometimes you have to start rejoicing before the problem is solved. That's where your faith comes in. Lord, I've got a situation with my family. I've got a situation at my job. But God, I'm going to start praising you now because I know that I know that I know that you're going to take care of it. And Lord, every day I wake up, I'm going to say thank you for doing it. And even though it may get darker tomorrow, with all that's going around me, I know you, I'm just going to grab your hand. I'm going to open up my heart and life. And Lord, I'm going to allow you to lead me through this dark time because it's going to be a wonderful thing to see what you do in my life and the lives of those around me when you do this. Amen? And that's what he's saying. It is great. So how should we end? Well, it's simple. How, would you, how should we pray? He makes it real clear. He says, please, Lord, save us. Please give us success. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord, and we bless you from the house of the Lord. So basically four things we pray for. God, we want you to save us. God, we want you to give us success. And it's not success to tell the world, look how great I am. It's just that you can say, hey, I used to struggle like you with alcohol. God's given me victory. Hey, I used to struggle with worry like you do. God's given me victory. See, there's that story we're sharing. Hey, I used to struggle in that area, and God has given me victory. The story to tell, he gives you that success to tell it. And then what God wants us to do is we want to bless, want him to bless us. God, please bless me as I share today. Please bless me as I go today. And God, I want to bless you. Now, that's, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Why do we bless God? Because he wants to be blessed. You know, God is an emotional God. Do you realize that? Do you realize all the emotions that you have come from God? Because God has the same emotions you had. Don't you like people to tell you good things? Don't you like people to encourage you? Well, God likes to be encouraged. God wants to be blessed. So we're going to bless him and we're going to bless others. And as a result, this is what it says. The Lord is, the Lord is God. He's shining upon us takes the sacrifice and bind it with the cords on the altar. You are my God and I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Notice he ends the way he begins. God, you're good and your faithful love endures forever. So God, will you shine upon us? So God, we will praise you and Lord, we'll exalt you. In one of the most tragic, horrific times of a psalmist's life, he shares a story in Psalms 18 with you and I to let us know that we can just go to him and pray. And if we'll listen to him, he's going to lead us and guide us through our darkest times of life. And if we'll trust him, he will give us victory over that. He will give us a story to share so that we can tell others what God can do in their life if they'll trust him as well. Let's pray.